Welcome to REI Energy and Climate Podcast. This is Erin from REI. We are a Beijing-based independent think tank with a focus on climate policy and energy transition. In the last week's episode, we examined a series of newly published reports surrounding China's climate risk evaluation and related economic loss estimation, and also the experiences and lessons of the current Chinese climate risk governance strategies. The reports were written by Tsinghua University in collaboration with Chatham House earlier this month. If you want to hear more about the report summary or find the link to the reports, please check out our last episode. Hi, everyone. This is Yating from REI. This week, as Christmas approaches, we know many of our listeners are busy shopping for their loved ones. However, due to the impact of this year's power shortage in China, it had a significant effect on the global manufacturing supply chain. The ripple effect of it has already been seen around the globe, like impacting consumers directly with shortages from paint to electronics. So today, we want to dissect the reasoning behind these disruptions who were affected and looking ahead at how China can continue to grow economy while staying on track its carbon neutrality goals. Yeah, so this is not the first time we've examined the issue of power shortages in China. Back in October of 2021, our colleagues Zhao Ao and Jia Tiao recorded a couple of podcast episodes specifically looking at the power shortages and the short supply of coal in China that happened throughout the summer and worsened into September and October months. Those were episodes 36 and 38 of our REI Energy and Climate podcast. And we encourage our listeners to go check it out. Yeah. Regarding the China's power shortage, there are two main reasons for this, according to our research. First is the double control of energy consumption set by the central government. It's considered to be the critical reason. The so-called double control of energy consumption means that the central government decides to buying indicators of energy consumption per unit of GDP and uh, total energy consumption to conduct assessments on local governments and require them to be completed within a specified time. And another one is the high price of coal caused by the coal shortage. Because when demand is high, the coal-fired power plant's output could not catch up. And it's assumed that the cost is price of coal is too high, leading to the reluctancy of coal-fired power plants to produce more power. And according to China's power enterprises, the thermal coal price in China from September 16th to September 20th Third, this year reached over 1,000 yuan per ton. It's equal to $170 per ton, over 55% higher than the beginning of the year. And the third reason for China's power shortages is the continuous extreme weather events that's been happening uh, around the country. So there were flooding uh, in major regions of Shandong province, where it is the highest coal-producing province in China. And in uh, manufacturing heavy areas such as Guangdong province, there were extreme heat events throughout the summer and into September and October. So that contributed to the added pressure in electricity usage. 
Over September of 2021, the average temperature in Guangdong was as high as 34.4 degrees Celsius, which was 2.2 degrees Celsius higher than the same time of last year. And until September 23rd, the highest power demand was 141 million kilowatt hours in Guangdong, and that is 11% higher than the same time of last year. Reaching the highest recorded levels, continuously breaking the highest recorded levels. In response to the power shortage, rotational power outages are occurring in at least nineteen provinces across the country, such as Guangdong, Zhejiang, Shandong, Anhui, and Jiangsu provinces. Although the frigid northeast is the most affected area, and as a result of these power outages, many manufacturing companies have been affected. Yeah, and these different provinces use different measures to control their electricity use. So, for example, in Guangdong, they implemented a work two days and off five days program. Where factories were only allowed to be at maximum capacity for two days a week, and other provinces such as、um, Yunnan basically closed down all of its unnecessary manufacturing, and、um, provinces use increased electricity prices as a disincentive for companies to operate. So these measures has affected greatly the production of various industries. Uh, ranging from energy-intensive products like steel and cement to everyday household products like paint, toys, and electronics that are used by、uh, the general population. I heard that China's power outages may affect manufacturing of Apple products like iPhone and iWatch. And for example, the iWatch release date was delayed. And iPhone supply was forecast to have a shortage in the fourth quarter of this year. Yeah,、um, and that is due to the upstream supply chains of Apple products being mainly located in Guangdong and Jiangsu provinces, and those provinces were especially hit hard by this power shortage, causing a significant supply shortage, including parts such as wires, electric boards. Um, chips and cas- casings that are used in、uh, Apple watches and iPhones and iPads. Yeah, actually, the impact of the power shortage is far greater than just a delay on getting the iPhone thirteen. And official figures have shown that in September this year, Chinese factory activity shrank to the lowest it had been since February last year. And when COVID nineteen Pandemic lockdowns crippled the economy, and the Goldman Sachs report has estimated that as much as forty-four percent of China's industrial activity has been affected by power shortage. And now, expects the world's second largest economy to expand by seven point eight percent this year, down from its previous prediction of eight point two percent. Also, concerns over the power cost have contributed to global investment banks cutting their forecast for China's economic growth.
even look into adjusting its predictions for next year's supply forecast. The New York Times、uh, showcased an article that talked about how this power shortage directly affects consumers worldwide. By using a case study of this 57-year-old software marketer living in Seattle called Fred Jacobs, who ordered two high-performance solid-state drives in late summer from a Chinese company, and was only offered a refund in October because of the lack of electricity that would cause the factory to delay its production, he mentioned in the article that. He was flabbergasted because he's been hearing about shipping issues with China, but not power issues or the infrastructure issues with China suppliers. And he said that now the risk is much higher for me to receive the product. Instead, he will be buying from a U.S. vendor, even if he has to pay more. So it can be seen that the power outages caused by power shortage in China not only affects the manufacturing industry, but also has a negative effect on consumers. And as the year comes to an end, how should manufacturers and companies navigate the potential impact of future power shortages? After all, how to deal with power shortages is. Crucial to the future of Chinese manufacturers and the country's economy. Yeah, as we mentioned in our previous episode, thirty-eight, the Chinese government quickly responded with a coal-fired power feeding tariff pricing from the National Development and Reform Commission, the NDRC. Which allows for electricity prices to increase and fluctuate to alleviate the increasing cost from electricity generation companies、uh, due to the increase of prices of coal. The same institution also plans to act on measures, including working closely with generating firms to increase output. Ensuring a full supply of coal and promoting the rationing of its electricity. The China Electricity Council, which represents generation firms, has also said that coal-fired power companies were now expanding their procurement channels at any cost in order to guarantee the upcoming winter heating and electricity supplies. So, Yating, how should other sectors in China, for example, like the steel sector, which use a lot of electricity, cope with this power shortage?、Uh, from the industry's perspective, there are also actions that they can take to mitigate the effect of involuntary power shortages. First is to reduce its own electricity use and dependency. So the steel sector in China should improve steel making efficiency, because China's steel mills use more electricity each year than all the country's homes combined, and account for about a sixth of China's greenhouse gas emissions. And currently, Chinese companies still rely on coal-fired blast furnaces that melt iron ore to make steel. But EU and American companies have already switched mostly to producing steel in efficient electric arc furnaces. 
which melt a mix of scrap and iron ore. So Chinese companies need to improve its technology by switching to electric furnaces and improves collection from demolished buildings to reduce its reliance on electricity. Yeah, so on top of reducing its electricity demand, taking a serious action to reduce carbon emissions and lowering their carbon footprint will also be beneficial for industries and the national electricity mix. Majority of China's renewable energy is not produced in the same geographical area as manufacturing heavy areas, so that makes the effort to purchase more renewable electricity from the grid. Would greatly reduce the electricity demand of the local area and reduce the need for additional coal-fired power generation. As well, installing on-site renewable energy generation and storage units in factories with large facilities could also reduce the reliance to the grid and reduce the amount of disruption in power shortages. That could cause in terms of their production levels. So, in short, ideally, the government and industry would work together to solve these problems, encouraging companies who purchase renewable electricity and have the green certificate to prove it by allowing more electricity capacity to them. This also works well with China's double carbon goals and the larger 14th five-year plan. I think it's interesting that you mentioned China's carbon goals. That is a question a lot of international organizations are asking at this time, especially seeing the global effect of China's electricity shortage and how China has reacted to it recently. So recently this year, with winter fast approaching, to ensure there's enough electricity and heating available, China has ordered coal production. To expand significantly, and that looks like over 100 mines have received approval to expand its production, with a possible 55 million tons of coal being mined in the fourth quarter of this year. This begs us to ask a question: How can China maintain its position as a global supplier while acting as a leader in climate action? Uh, from my perspective, the world depends on China to be both. Since the COVID nineteen pandemic, China has been the most dependable supplier for the global market. And at the same time, the world needs China to reduce its emissions in order to keep with the Paris Agreement, because China accounts for twenty percent of global emissions currently. And according to a research by Berkeley Institute. If China wants to stay on track with its carbon neutrality goals to keep with the 1.5 degree scenario, it needs to peak its carbon emissions by 2025, and also need to reduce 90% of emission and nearly 40% of energy demand by 2050. However, current China's NDC is peaked by 2030. Which is on track with the two-degree scenario. 
So to answer our previous question, we believe that China would be able to achieve both. Continue to lead in global supply chain and also reduce its emissions. From our analysis of recent reports that came out, authored by the Peking University Institute of Energy and North China Electricity University, which examines the different pathways China could achieve its carbon neutrality goals, the report showcases three different roadmaps on. How China can achieve its goals, which includes significant increase in renewable power sources and supply, grid stability, and a steady decrease of coal power generation. From the report's predictions until 2035, renewable energy development will speed up and expand to more coastal regions, where electricity demand is high. To alleviate the need for long-distance energy transportation, as we mentioned previously, most of the renewable energy produced now is far away from where energy demand is needed, and this will increase renewable energy stability.、Uh, as well, hydro energy development would be mostly complete by 2030, with little incentive thereafter due to the high cost of it and its low energy production level.、Um, in addition to that,、um, small yet scattered nuclear energy generation would also be on a rise, and this would tackle the problem of energy demand in isolated areas. Another report by the California China Climate Institute. It shows that studies all lead to the results that emissions would peak between 2020 to 2030 in China, and then it would decrease significantly. And strategies to replace fossil fuel energy production would create the most significant opportunities for CO2 emissions reduction. Like you mentioned earlier, this includes unprecedented pace of decarbonization. Through low emission power development, and for multiple 1.5 degree compatible scenarios, there is general consensus that non-fossil generation share will need to reach around 90 percent by 2050. It's a nearly threefold increase from the current share of 31 percent, and the solar and wind power are considered by all studies. To be key to the clean energy transition for the power sector, and they could contribute between thirty-four to seventy-three percent of total electricity generation by twenty fifty. And hydropower、uh, could contribute an additional nine to eighty percent share of electricity generation by twenty fifty. Yeah, this report also emphasizes the importance of. Electrification in various sectors in China, which could be up to forty to seventy percent by twenty fifty, to meet China's fourteenth five-year plan goals, industry sectors need to improve fifteen percent of their energy efficiency, and has an overall five percent electrification rate within the same period of the next five years. With future population growth and urbanization. There are still uncertainties around the progress of industrial structural changes to allow for further decoupling of economic growth and energy consumption growth.
key areas of the study focuses on China's continued role as a global exporter in manufactured goods, and this export. Driven economy model will continue to present great challenges while China keeps with its climate goals. A high realistic coupling comes with a price: the price of more sustainable electricity, better electrification of industries that is also reliable, would require companies to pay more for their upgraded technology and higher electricity prices for production. So in turn, this would mean, as an average consumer, the product you purchase off the shelves would be more expensive. However, we already see many companies working on their corporation social responsibility (CSR) goals and trying to lead the pact by doing more to cut its carbon emissions. So this is also an opportunity to encourage people. To vote with their dollars and support those companies and its supply chain to make the necessary changes we want to see to avoid a climate catastrophe. Yeah, I love the phrase "voting with your dollars." That's also exactly what we are doing in our sustainable procurement projects.、Uh, we've been working with hospital departments to encourage them. To buy from more sustainable medical equipment companies, to affect the carbon emissions of its own supply chain and its downstream supply chain, it is also something government procurement groups have been doing, acting as leaders in sustainable procurement for their larger infrastructure. So, for example,、um, out of the European Union, their European Green Public Procurement document. Identifies that public services need to lead by example to purchase green products first, and these include、um, infrastructure development,、um, energy and transportation of large purchases with high GHG emissions are excluded from their purchasing list. So many governments around the world are rolling with their dollars. In turn, supporting their own decarbonization policies. This is also something we want to see with the general public to support the companies who are doing more to achieve their own carbon neutrality goals. Yes, we are hoping to see our predictions come true. So this is all for our episode. We hope you enjoyed our talk today. If you have any questions about the reports we mentioned. You are welcome to contact us via email info at rei.org.cn and LinkedIn by searching REI. We wish our listeners stay well and healthy, and we wish our listeners a merry Christmas and a happy New Year. See you guys next time. Bye bye. See you next time.